We're going to read a verse today and discuss the meaning of a certain word in this verse. In, uh, Romans 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now when we talk about the word sufferings here today, we're going to try to define in context what Paul and the Holy Spirit are trying to bring across to us. Uh, I've heard many different opinions about suffering. If someone has a car wreck or uh, a baby is born deformed, they're told, you know, this is suffering and sickness and disease and poverty. This is all suffering that, that you need to go through. This is God's will. Well, we're going to find in context that's not at all what he's talking about. Let's start off the beginning. He's not talking about sickness or disease or car wrecks or deformities or anything like that. There is a suffering, though, that the church is supposed to go through. There is a suffering that God needs you to go through. And it's important we find that out because if we do, the, if we do walk through this suffering correctly, there is a reward, a glory, which shall be revealed in us, which is much more uh, powerful, and, and the suffering can't even be compared with the glory that you'll receive if you suffer properly. So we are talking about suffering, and I want you to know that I believe that you are to suffer in the right terminology, that not sickness, not poverty, not disease, but there is a suffering that Paul is talking about here that will bring forward a glory a glorious return, much more glorious than any suffering you're going through. Now, people don't mind suffering. If you if you go uh, sign up your child for a, uh, a sport, you'll find that there's suffering involved. They have to exercise. They have to work out. They have to be trained. They have to go out in the heat and run laps and get in shape and get trained how to do the sport so they could perform during the sport. Well, people don't mind suffering if there's a reward. There's people every day going to the gym to lift weights because their glory they want is to have muscles. <laughs> and, and they're wanting to get those muscles, but they're willing to suffer through the working out and the training to get those muscles. So if we're going to suffer, we don't mind if we know we're getting a reward for it. But what a shame to suffer the wrong kind of suffering and not get the reward. What a shame that many in the church are maybe suffering the wrong kind of suffering. And in the end, they won't get the reward that they're after. So it's very important we find out what Paul and the Holy Spirit is talking about here. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So let's go up a few verses and we'll begin to come in in context what Paul is talking about when he's talking about suffering. And it's sandwiched here in just chapter 8 of Romans. We'll start in verse 12. Romans 8, verse 12. Well, in fact, let's go all the way up to verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, so He's talking to you if you're born again, and you have that nature of Christ in you, that seed of Christ in you, but if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body, or quicken your mortal bodies, through His Spirit which dwells in you. So here is the reference to the moment the trumpet sounds, and we receive a new external, eternal, a new body. 
this body that you're wearing and the natural soul that body contains is going to be replaced at the sound of a trumpet with a new body, an eternal body, a spiritual body that has a, a spiritual soul that will be completely righteous and holy, just like your inner man is and your new nature is. And he's saying that that is coming at the sound of the trumpet. If you have the new nature in you, the price has been paid for your new eternal body. You don't have to give an offering to get this one guy. One preacher actually was selling plots. He said God told him he could sell plots in heaven. And that if you gave a donation, you got a, you got a, a property uh, certificate that you own property in heaven. And I thought, well, that's a quick way to make some money for sure. So he's talking here about us getting a new eternal body that you don't have to pay for. You don't have to send money to get a certificate to say, I have, I'm an owner of a new body. The new nature in you is your certificate of proof that you will get that new eternal body when the trumpet sounds. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, because, because you know, I think it was uh, Dad Hagen always said, if you see the word therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. We just read that we are getting a new eternal body, a new outward body. Uh, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. This flesh here is talking about your old nature. You no longer have the nature of sin in you. So we're not debtors. We don't have to live like the world. We don't have to live in sin because we no longer have a nature of sin. However, we're still wearing the body of the outward man. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. So if you're not saved, you're going to die. There's no hope for someone who's not saved, no matter how good they are. Unless they have that nature in them, they're not born again. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So if by the Spirit, this Spirit here is not talking about the Holy Spirit. This is not about your inner man. This is not talking about your new nature and your inner man, that you can put to death or mortify the deeds of the body you will live. So already we can see a little context here, that he is talking about us receiving a new mortal body. And this is a promise of God to you. In essence, he's saying, I am sorry I had to leave you in an external body. I'm sorry I couldn't quicken it the moment you were saved. I'm sorry I couldn't fix that. I couldn't give you a new outward body because then you'd have to leave the earth. And he's saying, I'm sorry I had to leave you with this outward man, this body, this natural soul that fights you, that has different ideas for you. I'm sorry I had to leave that on you. I couldn't fix it yet, but I will. I promise you that in the end, in the long run, you won't have these struggles or battles. Now, let's pause here. Let's just analyze what we're talking about. You're born again. You receive the new nature of Christ, Christ in you, the very seed, the very nature of Christ. That nature is what makes you righteous. That's what makes you a child of God. But that new nature also brought to life your inner body. Uh, I think Pastor Dave Roberson said that a candle is to a dark room, what the new nature is to your spirit, that your inner man was brought to life by the new nature. And now you have an inner body, and the inner body is your, the physical inner body, spiritual body, 
but also the inner spiritual part of your soul, mind, will, and emotions. And it is brought to life by the new nature. And then your outward body was left in darkness. It was not fixed. And this is where many Christians have struggles, because they now have an inner man that is born again, while their outward man is left in darkness. In fact, let's go there real quick to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll just read here verse 16 and 17. And really, the Apostle Paul is writing the same thing here as he did in Romans 8, but to a different group. So it's a little bit different, but it's the same kind of meaning. Verse 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So in learning about transformation, I hope I've taught you well enough to know that the outward man isn't just your fingers and toes, it's also the natural soul. And the inward man is your inner body, but also contains the spiritual part of your soul. The inner man has been brought to life, but now it needs to be renewed in knowledge. It needs to grow up in the knowledge of God. Because now your inner man, your your spiritual soul, part of your soul, can understand God. It is of the nature of God. So it can now understand the things of God. And love like Jesus loved. And have peace like Jesus had peace. So here in verse 16, we see we have an outward man and an inward man. Now, the outward man, again, is your outward body and the outward soul, mind, emotions, and desires. The inward man is the inward body and the inward soul, mind, emotions, and desires. And that's why you can, on Sunday morning, have a desire to go and serve God with all your heart and to throw away all the the things in your house that you know are not godly. But yet, on Monday, you have a desire to keep those things. Because you have an inward man seeking God, desiring God, and an outward man desiring this world. And that's the condition that God had to leave you in to keep you on this earth. If he gave you a new outward body and soul the moment you were saved, you would be in heaven right now. You wouldn't be on this earth and you would not be able to minister or to rescue anyone. And really that's God's heart, isn't it, for us to win the world our family, our neighborhood, our cities to God. Not just to live life today, I'm going to heaven and then have a happy life and get to heaven. And and it's to lay our life down, to see the gospel come forward. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Doesn't that sound similar to Romans 8.18 that we just read? For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. So what is this light affliction that he's talking about? What is this suffering that he's talking about here? Is it sickness that you're sick and now you just, God puts sickness on you for you to suffer so you can love him more, you can trust him more because you're stronger. Someone said, God wanted me to learn a lesson. That's why he put sickness on me. I said, well, learn your lesson and so he can take it off of you. Someone said, well, God gave this sickness to me. It's my cross to bear. And I said, well, 
if that's the truth, if you really believe that God put that sickness on you for you, that to be your cross to bear, then why are you going to the doctor? Why are you taking medication to stop the pain or the suffering? Because if you really believe that God wants you to suffer, then you should suffer, right? You shouldn't try to ease it. You should embrace it. Well, because we know instinctively that that's not any parent's desire. Anyone good would not want sickness on anyone, even to teach them a lesson. For our light affliction, what is this light affliction? Well, he tells us in verse 16. We don't lose heart even though our outward man is perishing. So this is transformation, that our outward man perishes and our inner man is being renewed. This is the process that every Christian is supposed to go through. Now I'm going to make an argument in a moment how much of the church has got rid of this process. And so too many Christians aren't suffering the right kind of suffering. They're just living life for the best life now, when really the heart of God is that you suffer against the deeds and desires of that outward man. And it's a light affliction. It's not a heavy one. It's not something you can't do. It's something you can do. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more an exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. So he's talking about the inward man and the outward man. We don't look at the things which are seen. We don't look at life to serve our outward man that we can see. We actually are to look at life at following and renewing and building up the inward man, which we cannot see. For the things which are seen are temporary. This outward body is temporary. This outward soul, the soul is a sneaky little thing, the, the mind, emotions, and desires. You'll hear many in the world, especially lately, talking about embracing their outward soul. Now, if you're not saved, you have a soul, a mind, will, and emotions that's in both realms, the natural and the spiritual, of darkness. But you'll hear someone say, you know, I finally just accepted who I am. And I came forward and told the world, this is who I am. And it feels so much peace. I finally just accepted. I fought who I was, and I, and I was born this way. And you'll hear the world make this mantra of, I have accepted who I am, and I have to be who I am, be true to myself, be my true self. And really what they're saying is, my soul is demanding and telling me what it needs to be happy. I got tired of give it, restricting it, and so I now have given it what it's asking for. And in essence, an unsaved person can spend their whole life serving the brokenness of their soul to fill it and keep it from complaining or yelling, or it's to satisfy that brokenness of the natural soul. And they'll make a proclamation, I am finally free to be who I am. And what they're really saying is, I have given up trying to be different than what my soul is telling me I am. Well, when you got born again, your spiritual body, your inner man came to life. So you have a spiritual inner part of your soul, mind, emotions, and desires, that is now light and righteous and holy like Jesus himself. But you're still wearing the outward man. So Christians can do the same thing that the world does, as they can live their life, serving their outward soul. They can live their life appeasing it, 
giving it offerings on a regular basis to make it happy, like a lion in a cage. Here, take this just to be quiet. And that's the natural soul. So many Christians are trying to appease it. The view that the natural man has on success, on happiness, is fed and chased after in the name of Christ rather than mortified and put to death. And so let's go back over to Romans chapter 8. We'll come up to verse 10 this time. If Christ is in you, that's talking about your new nature. The body is dead because of sin. This is your outward man. This is the outward physical body and the outward physical soul, mind, emotions, and desires. It is left dead. It was left in death condition. It was not rescued. But the spirit, this is the inner man, is alive because of righteousness, because of the new nature. So your inner man, in the inner part of your soul, mind, emotions, and desire, is lit up and alive, while the outward part of you is left in dead, in darkness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. Through his spirit who, which dwells in you, talking about the moment the trumpet sounds, your outward man will become righteous, eternally glorified. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you mortify or put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This is the suffering that he's talking about, not sickness or disease. I think it was Pastor Dave who said, yeah, driving down the street and car runs into my car and crashes and I'm in the hospital with a broken leg and a a broken arm and a fractured skull. And while I'm in the hospital, I witness to a nurse. And I say, yeah, God did all that to me, all that suffering for me, so that I could witness to that nurse. And Pastor Dave said, well, wouldn't it be better if he just told you to go to the hospital and just witness to the nurse, that you didn't have to go through all that car wreck and all that? So much of the Christian doctrine is so messed up, they attribute the wrong suffering. And if you accept that as your suffering... You've opened the door for the enemy to really give you whatever you're asking for. The suffering that he's talking about is not sickness, disease, or poverty. It is that you don't accept your outward man as who you are anymore. You don't allow it to dictate to you how to be happy, how to be successful. You don't allow it to dictate to you who you are. You may have been born that way the first time, but the second time you were born born again, you're born again in the image of Christ, with the nature of Christ in you. That is the suffering that he's talking about. A daily suffering every day that you and I go through where we resist obeying the desires of our soul, our natural man, and we submit to the plan and will of God. Fasting is a great example. You have a natural desire to eat, and you have to restrain that to be healthy You can't just feed your natural man whatever it wants. Because my natural man wants a lot of sweets and chocolate and good things and cheese and fat and all the things I'm not supposed to eat. And I have to force myself to eat healthy. It's not natural for me. I'm not like a rabbit where I naturally want to eat lettuce. I have to make my natural man appetite submit. And that's what fasting is, is you choosing to say no to your natural man. Your natural man says, 
I'm hungry. And you say, I'm in charge, natural man. I'm choosing when you eat. And I'm going to make you skip a meal. Feed me. No, feed me. And you, and it gets louder and louder until you either give in to it or you overpower it and say, I'm choosing to tell you when and what we eat. That is a suffering against the desires of the natural man. Fasting is a great way to learn how much in charge you really are and how much your body, its appetites and desires try to control you. Verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, this is Romans 8, verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So now here he's saying here that God didn't just take your nature of that you were born with and fix it up with duct tape and bale twine and put a new coat of paint on it. He gave you a new nature, the spirit of adoption. And it's not that you're adopted. You're not adopted by God. You've been born again. But you are in an adoption process. And that means that the process isn't complete until you receive your new body. Once you receive the eternal new body that we read about in verse 11, then that's when the adoption is complete. You will be completely light. You will be completely a child of righteousness. There will be no, nothing of Adam left in you. Nothing of this world be, will be left in you. You'll be as righteous as Jesus himself. Inner man, outward man, body, soul, and spirit will be holy light. But until that time, you're not holy light. You are still wearing the outward body and outward soul of the outward body. And it is trying to tell you how to be happy. It's trying to tell you how to be successful. And with some brokenness, it's amazing how people can feed that and go into really wild places trying to appease that. And you can see the the rush of peace that comes on them when they give in to their natural soul. And they give up and say, I'm just going to give up and say, you are who I am. And they're going to satisfy the, the hunger of the natural soul and declare, this is who I am. I'm coming out. This is who I am. And really, it's a brokenness in their natural man that uh, as a Christian, you are to suffer against that. That is like, the best way to describe it is you have two wills, two desires. The inner man has a desire to only serve God. Jesus said that I have food that is to do the will of God. That means that the inner man's food, the inner man's desire is only to do the will of God. And that is pulling you one way. But you have the desire of your natural man trying to pull you another way to say, this is who you are. So as a Christian, that is the first step of obedience to God to say, my life is not about serving myself or my outward man anymore. The moment I'm saved, my life belongs to God. My life is about serving His will and not the will and desires of my natural man. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself, this is the first mention of the Holy Spirit in Romans 8. 
The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. So the Holy Spirit bears witness with our new nature in our inner man that we are the children of God. See, now you are a child of God. You're not the child of the world because you have the nature of Christ in you. And the Holy Spirit will agree with you and let you know and remind you and bear witness with you that you are a child of God. You are a Christian. You have his nature in you. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. See, Jesus has already been glorified. So he's saying here that we are to suffer together. We are joint heirs. We're joint with Christ. You're joined with that nature of Christ in you. And that nature will never, listen, that new nature will never say it's okay to sin. That new nature will never say it's okay to live like the world. It cannot because that's not the nature. You've been joined together with the nature of Christ. Now you are in Christ. He's in you. You are joined together in heirs because of that nature. And then we are to suffer with him. That suffering is that we lay our life down, our desires down, whatever our outward man is telling us, that this is what I need to be happy. And there's a huge spectrum of what the outward man could ask for. That you are to suffer against it. You are to resist the desires of the outward man from day one that you're born again. Now I'm going to pause here because I've seen so many Christians remove the battle from their life. And they try to clean up their outward man, clean up their life, but they're really serving their outward man. Uh, With religion, sometimes with sin, I know some teachers will tell you, it's okay to sin. Sin's been done away with. You can sin all you want. There's one preacher I know, used to know, that preached holy, and then he started to preach that sin was okay. I remember getting a call from a pastor saying, hey, we need some help because this guy's up here teaching uh, heresy. And I said, well, I don't know why he's doing that. Well, because he had a sin in his life, an area of sin that he got tired of fighting and suffering against. So he changed his doctrine that his life can include that sin. He started to teach that everyone's saved. Not even those who just asked Jesus, but everyone in the world was saved. And we don't have to change. We don't have to strive against our flesh We can give in to our flesh, and God still loves us. Well, yes, God loves you. He loves everyone. The worst sinner you can think of. Think of the worst sinner that you can think of, the worst human. A child molester, a murderer, a mass murderer. Well, God loves that person the same way he loves you. He doesn't love you more because you're his child than he loved you before you were saved. He loves you. He's the same. He is love. Well, this type of preaching is about removing the fight the suffering that every person goes through when they decide to obey God, when they decide to live their life for God, when they decide to spend time renewing the inner man and putting to death the deeds of the outward man. Verse 16, For the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. So this suffering he's talking about, again, it's not sickness, disease, or poverty. This suffering he's talking about 
has to do with us also being glorified, receiving the new outward man, which we read in verse 11. So we're still in context and we're learning that suffering is a fight of desires, a decision to obey the desire of the inner man versus the desire of the outward man. That is what the suffering is. You have two desires pulling you every morning. The desire of the inner man and the desire of the outward man. Your inner man desires God because it has been brought to life by the nature of Christ. So now you have a desire to go pray. You have a desire to fast even. You have a desire to be a a child of discipline, of structure, of holiness. That is the desire that's pulling you towards God. But also there is a desire away to serve its own pleasure. And it could be as deep as deep sin or as simple as I want to be in charge. That's the voice of the outward soul. So when you go to pray in the morning, you say, you know what? I'm going to dive in. Pastor Allen's really convinced me that if I pray in tongues, it's going to change my life. And so you start to pray. You set your alarm clock for early in the morning to give yourself a couple hours to sit and pray in the Holy Ghost and worship or meditate the Word. And you, your alarm goes off. I always make fun. My wife is a amateur snooze button. I'm a professional snoozer. And what that means is I can lay there in my bed and be sound asleep. And I'll, and for some reason, I can hear my digi- digital uh, alarm click somehow and know that the alarm's about to go off. And the alarm goes, and, at, and before it can go any longer, my hand's already hit the snooze button. Ink, and I get myself another nine minutes of sleep. My wife's an amateur snooze buttoner, and that means that we'll be sleeping, and, and we the whole house will hear this alarm, and, and the whole house, the dogs, even the, the little mouse is awake, looking, hearing the noise uh, in the house, and finally my wife will wake up from her sleep coma and go, oh, is there a noise? What's that noise after 15 minutes of her alarm going off? I'm a professional. It doesn't even hardly beep when I've already got the snooze going on. Well, you're asleep and you your alarm goes off to get you to go pray in tongues. You're gonna you got your coffee ready for the morning, and you're gonna make a nice fresh cup of coffee or tea, and you're gonna go pray in the Holy Ghost, and and you you make that plan. But then you hear this voice, right when the alarm goes off. You know what? You've been really good, but you've been working really hard lately. You need extra sleep. Why don't you sleep in this morning? And uh, we'll start prayer tomorrow. Now you and I have both fought with that conversation. And my question to you is, who's talking to you in that moment saying, you know what, you need sleep? Well, that's your outward man. That's the outward soul that you're supposed to suffer against. It's trying to convince you, you know what, we don't need to go and pray because when we pray, I don't win. Uh, I remember when I first got excited to pray in tongues and, and, and I set time aside. And, and see, I thought when I prayed in tongues, it meant that I was going to get a new car and a big house and a great big ministry. And so I was excited. My outward man was excited to go pray because it was convinced that we were going to get all those luxurious things. And after I went to the prayer closet, my outward man and inward man kind of held hands. And they sang a song, we're going to get a new car. We're going to get a a big house and a big ministry. Let's go pray. And they ran to the prayer closet. And when I got to the prayer closet, there was the Holy Spirit. 
He invited my inward man in and shut the door and left my outward man outside. My outward intellect, my outward emotions was left outside of the prayer closet. And the spirit ministered to me spirit to spirit to my inner man. And then my inner man began to grow in knowledge, grow in love. My outward man was left unfruitful outside of the prayer closet. When I left the prayer closet, my outward man said, well, what did he tell you? When are we getting the new car? Is it on the way? And I said, I don't know what. I just prayed in tongues. I don't know what happened. And after a few days or weeks of praying in tongues, my outward man figured out the, the goal of praying in tongues is not about getting a new car and a big house and a big ministry. The goal of praying in tongues, the fruit of praying in tongues, was building up and renewing the inner man and putting to death the outward man. And the outer man figured it out eventually. And then that next morning when I got up to pray, it didn't want to get up with me. It began to fight me and say, ah, we don't need to pray. It began to resist me. Many people who, who are praying, and you've probably been through this if you know the message of prayer and practice it, that there comes a point where there's nothing, you find no desire to pray. It's like everything in you wants to stop you from praying. See, that's the outward man complaining. It's resisting. It's trying to lead you away from prayer because the prayer causes the outward man to perish. And that is why he says, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Uh, we read it in Second Corinthians. I'll read it again real quick. You don't have to turn there. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. See, this outward man is perishing, and it says don't lose heart, because it's easy to lose heart and to try to quit the suffering that you're supposed to go through, the suffering that you and I are supposed to attach ourselves to and agree to, is to say, Jesus, my life is not my own. I belong to you. And that my life is not about appeasing, pleasing, satisfying my outward man's desires or the outward soul's desires. It is to suffer against that. So let's go back to Romans 8, verse 17 now. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So there is a suffering. He's saying that the suffering of this present time, the suffering that I have submitted myself to, the resisting of following the, the plans and desires of the outward soul. And, and not all plans and desires of the outward soul are deep, dark sins, fornication or different things like that. Sometimes the desires of the outward soul are masked in religion, that we just want to have a nicer house, a nicer life without facing mortification. It is the, the removal of the fight that many churches end up doing to try to keep people happy. Many people go to church because the church has designed themselves around appeasing the outward soul rather than encouraging people to suffer against the outward soul and to mortify its deeds and desires. 
For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. This is talking about when we receive a new outward body, it's going to be glorious. For the earnest and expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So even creation itself is waiting for that trumpet to sound. Because not only are we receiving a new body, the earth is going to be renewed and quickened into a new earth. In the universe, the stars, the sky, all the universe, this is Adam's house, the whole universe, belonged to Adam. And all of that will be burnt up and folded like a garment and then quickened to be a new universe that would belong to the children of God. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So even creation itself is waiting for that moment. For the creation was subjected to fatuity, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. So this fight, this suffering that even the world is going through, with earthquakes and famines, that's all the earth shaking because it's being brought to a place of submission of regeneration, a place of salvation, if you would, that the whole creation of Adam is going to be given, purchased by Jesus completely, and then given to God, and then reborn to a new universe, a new earth, for the sons of God and children of God who are born again also. And Christ subjected it to this vanity willingly, like he picked a fight because he wants to see the whole plan of God redeemed after Adam's fall. Because the creation itself also, verse 21, will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So even creation will belong to us because we will all be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb completely. A new earth, a new universe, us and new bodies in the new Jerusalem for eternity. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. You've been born again, you have the first fruit of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. And in the King James, it says, of the adoption to wit, meaning completion. So the completion of our adoption process is that we have the redemption of our body, that we get the new body. And that is in context what he is talking about here in suffering. That the suffering we are supposed to embrace is one where we don't give our life to our outward man, our outward soul. So many of us have grown up with desires and dreams that were given to us by the natural man, by our natural ability, our natural talent, by our parents, by people we respect, that we want to uh, please them or fulfill the desires of our natural man. The world's designed around satisfying the natural man. They analyze your talent, your personality, and they say, oh, this is the career for you. Well, it may not be. God may have something different for you. And the suffering is that I don't live my life serving my outward man. I live my life serving God. I don't live my life filling the hole of my outward man. 
And I've seen many Christians do like the world does in a lesser extent. Most Christians know they can't just be totally like the world. But when you see people struggle with their natural soul, the brokenness, they can, when they say, I am accepting who I am. I've, I've decided to just accept this as who I am. It's my truth. And then they tell you this unnatural thing they're deciding to be. One person decided they were going to be like a, a dragon. So they got tattoos. They took their tongue and they split it in half. And they put implants on their skull, even removed most of their teeth, trying to appease the brokenness of the natural man. And that person definitely is fighting with the demon. But trying to appease that brokenness. People are really broken, but the the message of the gospel is it doesn't matter how broken you are. You have a hope. You have a pathway of victory through your inner man. You have a pathway of victory, but you're going to have to suffer against the desires of the outward man. And as we have this hope, verse 24, For we are saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? For if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait with perseverance. Do not lose heart. You're battling right now desires of the natural man. It's trying to tell you how to be happy. Trying to tell you how to be successful. When I ran the Bible college, we uh, would have first year students come to me after about two months. And they'd say, yeah, uh, Pastor Allen, I feel like God's telling me to go home. And I say, no, 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 that's just your flesh trying to tell you there's an easier path. And and being in Bible college, you're being forced to face yourself. You're being forced to overcome yourself or, in other words, suffer against the desires of the natural man. And so you're trying to run from that. But don't run from it. Stay and get through it. And, And there'd be a few I can convince to stay, and they always got through it. But there's a few that I couldn't convince no matter what. And they went home. And every one of them would call me after a few weeks and say, Pastor, I just want you to know I was right. Oh, yeah? What's going on? Well, I got home, and I just felt peace, this incredible peace. And it's just so wonderful, this peace. Well, I can tell you what happened. They removed the suffering, and they gave in to their natural soul, and the natural soul rewarded them with peace. And this is where many Christians quit the fight of suffering. They call it peace of God, but it's just... They quit suffering. Their outward man won, and they're now uh, in servitude to their outward emotions, their outward man, the outward soul for the rest of their life. They'll still go to church and go to heaven, but they are living their life serving their outward man. The suffering here is you don't get that pleasure, you don't get that luxury to give the outward man what it wants, that you're constantly pursuing, chasing, steering towards the will of God and the desires of God in your inner man for your whole life. This is not a one-day suffering. This is not a two-day suffering. This is a lifestyle of suffering every day, refusing to let your outward man tell you who you are and choosing to accept who Christ says you are and choosing to pursue Him. The best way to start suffering The right way is go spend time praying in tongues. Go spend time reading the Word. I can tell you that if you read your Bible, and that if you pray in tongues, and if you worship God, 
just like in Sunday school, tell you those things, you know those are good things. So let's say, let me give you some homework. Start doing those things. Worship God, pray in tongues, meditate the word. Start doing those things. Make it part of your life. You know those are good things. And even if you want to throw in a little fasting, that's a good thing too. You know instinctively these are good, godly things. So once you start doing those, after a little while, you'll start to feel the pressure, the direction away from those things. Now you are in suffering. That's the suffering he's talking about. Seek God, follow God, grow in God, mortify the outward man, and you are suffering the suffering that will bring forward the glory, a glorious moment when you receive a new outward body, a new outward soul, and God makes you complete body, soul, and spirit. And then that day on the new earth when we're standing there, the most incredible miracle happened that God found you in a species of darkness called the human race, and he found a way to bring you completely to a whole different species of light. And there you are standing there on the new earth, a completely different species. How different is the child of God supposed to be from a child of Adam? As different as darkness is from light. And in that transformation, he was able to accomplish this without making you disappear that he was able to protect you and allow you to be go through adoption process to be born of God. It's amazing miracle salvation. Let's be different than the modern church. I know that's why you're listening, because you've kind of got hungry for more than what the modern church can give. The modern church is trying to get people saved. It's got good intentions, and God bless them. But many in the modern church have stopped making the flesh uncomfortable and tried to make the desires of the flesh, the outward man, comfortable. Pastor Dave would be preaching, and there'd be a a new couple in our church, a man and a wife. And as usual, one person in the marriage is maybe a little more hungry for God than the other one. And Pastor Dave would say something like, Yeah, you say you don't have time to pray. Because you have to work to pay your bills. And I can understand that. But, you know, that's really just an excuse. Because you can make time. You make time for things you really want. You know, you could actually sell your big house and get a small house. You can sell your nice new car and get an old junker car. And you really, who needs five TVs in your house? Just have one TV. You don't need cable. Just use the antenna. And Pastor Dave would be talking practical things about removing the excuses of why you can't spend time with God. And as he was saying that, one of the couple would say, oh, hallelujah, yes, I can do it. I can I can have more of God. I want more of God. Yes, help me, God. Help me to, to quit all the serving these, the world and serving my flesh. I want more of God. I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll sell the house. I'll sell the boat. I'll use an older phone. I'll, I'll give it all so I can have more of you. I'll live in a smaller house. And that's one of the couple. But the other of the couple would get this stern look on their face and say, you know what, I don't think I like this place. There's something not right here. And see, one is hungering after the spiritual man. One is hungering after the outward man. And so through religion, you can serve God and never have to suffer with the outward man. Never have to say no. Never have to resist its desire to go do things. 
And this is really where the church should be, helping people to grow up and mature in God, not just helping people to come to church. I love you. I appreciate you spending time with me. Let's suffer the right suffering. Let's make this our daily life that I don't live to please my outward soul. I don't live to please the outward man. I live to please God. I live through my inner man. And I'm in the process of suffering every day, mortifying the outward man. And eventually, the promise of God to me is that there'll be a time when the trumpet sounds and for the rest of eternity, I'll be suffering no more. There'll no longer be a voice, a desire to walk away from God. Everything in me will take the pleasure of spending time with Jesus. Thanks for spending time with me. I love you. Let's keep going. God bless you.